Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another brand new fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, and I'm going to leave it at that today, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. You know, we were gone for just a little bit, a little bit of an unexpected absence, Mm -hmm. but you know, all is well, and uh, we're glad to be back in that seat again. Yeah. As, uh, as Aerosmith once said, Mr. Aerosmith. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, we were gone for uh, three, took three days off the podcast right there. That was crazy. I did do one episode in my car while I was on my eight hour drive down to my grandma's in Louisiana. That was a quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I did an episode. What was it called? Something about what is libertarianism? Because I saw someone asking about that. And I thought maybe I would just give my two cents on it. I think you should talk about it sometime too, Charlie. But we are technically. I'll talk about it without listening to what you said. That'd be a good idea. See if we align. Why didn't you already listen to my episode? I didn't listen. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. I was going to listen. I was going to listen. And then I just. You didn't. I just carried on with my life. Yeah. You just carried on living your life. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I got you. Well. Is that s- stupid accent supposed to be me? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Well. This is technically a libertarian podcast. I mean, Charlie's not going to be put in a box. You know, mm. he's not a member That's of, how libertarian of the libertarian. I am. <laughs> yeah. But our main focus is not on the party itself, it is on liberty and the best way to bring the most amount of liberty to every single person in the world. Individual liberty brought back to you. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So if this is your first episode, then go back and listen to the previous 310 episodes that came before this, or maybe it's 311, I'm not really sure. Go listen to the previous 300 plus episodes that came before this, so we can all be on the same page, because we're not on time to just retrace every single thing that we talked about. This is a growth podcast. Yeah, it I mean, builds. You are growing with us at the same time. And, and look, we do not talk with the vacuum on. No, you know, <laughs> yeah, that would be noisy. Yeah, <laughs> the quality would go way down. <laughs> so, and, and you know, you bring you bring up a good point that we're not. This isn't about the Libertarian Party, and nothing wrong really with the party. I think um, that they're obviously trying to compete with the duopoly that's going on. But really, I think it's this podcast is more about how liberty uh, or the lack thereof affects your personal life, and then also we talk a lot about what I think is the most important thing, which is personal responsibility. But to me, it's different than what the, I would say the Republicans or the conservatives talk about, because if, if you spin the narrative that you have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps, well, people just don't listen to that. The difference is, is that the message that we talk about is actually an encouraging one because adopting personal responsibility doesn't mean you just pick yourself up by the bootstraps. What it means is that you're capable like we're here to tell you that you're able, you're capable. There is something inside of you that brings value to this world. And it's your job to discover that um, it's your job to discover what that value is and take the, that personal responsibility on yourself and, you know, move forward in the world with that purpose and that meaning. Yeah. And I think that's the most important, you know, messaging that we can do. I, I, you almost brought a tear to my to my eye if I, if you just would have said it better. <laughs> almost. So, by the way, we got the masks in. Oh yeah, I got Finally. some masks. Is that upside down? No, it's good. 
Make taxation theft again. There we go. That's pretty good. It's pretty. It's it's a pretty uh, light mask, Feels isn't it? Nice. Like you can breathe through it pretty well. Can you guys? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's like an extra pop filter. Yeah, I should wear one all the time on the can podcast. Never, can never pop on this, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it does look good. I yeah. mean, I look almost almost Antifa like. Okay. <laughs> that is not a great endorsement of the mask Except whatsoever. it says make taxation thefts again, which is even better. Yeah, if you want to get your very own mask, go to gmlmask.com and grab that there mask, okay? So the Re- the Republican National whatever convention thing is going on this week, and we talked about the DNC. How did they not shut that down? Well, because there's no one there. It's all online. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha, you've got to watch it on Zoom. So it's uh, which we can't because the internet would go out. But um, <laughs> we talked a lot about the DNC convention, and we we went over the different days of that. So it's only fair that we also go over a little bit of the Republican convention as well. And to be honest with you, I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna preface this conversation by saying, listen, listen. Um, I'm going to vote for Joe Jorgensen. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say it out loud. What you're going to hear today might sound like, and what you hear sometimes on the podcast, might sound like we are in defense of the Republican Party or only hating on the Democratic Party or, you know, whatever. And we're trying to carry water or whatever. But I'm, I'm just going to come out there and say, I'm, I'm going to be voting for Dr. Jorgensen. It's going to be happening. But I am going to be as honest and truthful as possible and say that in my opinion the republicans are are executing a a pretty good convention so far uh, that has had some pretty good speeches now a lot of it is just a bunch of hot air because they're talking about the constitution and your personal liberties and things like that and obviously when push comes to shove they're still willing to compromise on your liberty on your behalf all the time and so obviously anything that we talk about we we all realize that but i I do like the the message overall more and what i what i really wanted to talk about was uh was dr Rand paul giving his speech last night i believe a lot of hate lots of hate from the libertarian crowd lots of hate out there from the libertarian crowd and um which I mean, the guy only has one lung, so I feel like that he's oppressed. Now. Yeah, he is. How can you hate somebody he's that only has one lung? He's a victim. Come on, especially in the age of COVID. I mean, right. come on, that's like one of the worst things that can and happen. He had COVID. He had COVID, right. and he's up there and alive. So, uh, I I saw the backlash on Twitter about Paul's speech and how he was a sellout and all that kind of stuff, and I hadn't seen the speech yet, and then. I went and listened to the speech, and I was like, this actually isn't that bad. I mean, sure, he's kissing Trump's ass plenty of times, for sure. But I'm not exactly opposed to that. And we've talked to that we've talked about that before because I do think that libertarians lack a strategy of actually doing things inside of uh, inside of the government sometimes. They don't really want to play the game that everyone else is playing. And we've talked about that a lot. And as long as you refuse to play the game that everyone else is playing, you're you're never going to win the game because you can't win a game that you refuse to play. And to be able to compete in said game, you're going to have to consider playing it sometime. That seems like it would be obvious. 
Now, I don't like the game. I don't agree with the game whatsoever. But it's obviously overtaken everyone. And at this rate, the Libertarian Party is going to need about 200 more years before they're going to be able to get 10 to 15% of the vote, something like that, and actually be affecting some elections. So I don't hate it when there's a Republican out there that obviously has very strong Libertarian tendencies doing what he can to keep an open phone line to the president, which I think is a good thing. Well, in history shows, like if you get on his bad side, you're on his bad side. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't think there's any coming back from that. Yeah. And I think Paul made that misstep one time in the first maybe three or four months of Trump's presidency. And of course, like everyone in his district was hating on him and Trump was hating on him. I can't remember what it was for. His hair. <laughs> no, what? it might have been for his hair. I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, you it's, see, he, he deleted. He, he, he uh, took off the beard. Old Rand oh, Paul. Oh, yeah, for sure. He I got ready. I saw him shaved it off. I was like, what? <laughs> he deleted it. <laughs> so we'll play we'll, we'll play a little bit of uh, Paul's speech. It's only a four-minute speech, so I guess we can play the whole thing, and that way you at least know where we're coming from. I was actually okay with it. I don't like all the, you know, I don't know, just trying to please the crown type of the speech, but that's kind of what you're going to have to do right here. He spent a lot of time talking about our foreign wars and things like that. I thought it was great to have someone up there saying what he was saying, because who the hell else is going to get up there during the convention and say the stuff that Rand Paul was just saying? Sounded like his dad. He, he did. When they were talking about the wars, I was like, you know what? I am totally fine with kissing Trump's ass if you can get up during the RNC convention and talk about this stuff right here, like, because no one else is going to talk about it. That's an old so, ass. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it would not be pleasant. No. What? What? Whatsoever. So, let's. Um, let's <laughs> Jim said, "Listen here, fat." <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's play this speech real quick, and you guys can figure out what you think. Good evening. I'm Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. Donald Trump and I met many years ago, before he was running for anything. When I first met him, I recall being struck by how down-to-earth he was. He seemed like just a normal guy. Okay, a normal guy with his own plane and helicopter, but who's counting? I was planning a medical mission trip to Guatemala to perform charity eye surgeries, and we needed money to fund the trip. Donald Trump offered to help and immediately came through for us. Not only did he support my medical mission to Guatemala, but he also contributed to another mission trip to Haiti a year later. We performed hundreds of cataract surgeries in both countries. Nothing is more amazing than removing the bandages from a person's eyes and watching them as they see their loved ones again. Donald Trump helped me make that happen. A few years later, we were opponents, both running for president, and we all know how that turned out. But I'm proud of the job Donald Trump has done as president. I don't always agree with him, but our occasional policy differences are far outweighed by our significant agreements. But more important than simple agreement is accomplishment. President Trump gets things done. When some in Congress wanted a so-called revenue-neutral tax plan, Donald Trump and I worked together to make sure that it was a true tax cut. I brought President Trump an idea for better, less expensive health insurance called Association Health Plans. Donald Trump overturned years of red tape and bureaucrats, and he made it happen. 
While others talked about criminal justice reform, President Trump actually signed the First Step Act, the first real reform in a generation, and one that sought to undo the harm that others, like Joe Biden, have done. For those of us who lament the Biden crime bill that locked up a generation of young black men, remember that Biden bragged about a bill that still wreaks havoc among people of color. I'm supporting President Trump because he believes as I do that a strong America cannot fight endless wars. We must not continue to leave our blood and treasure in Middle East quagmires. I flew with him to Dover Air Force Base to honor two soldiers whose remains were coming home from Afghanistan. I'll never forget that evening. I can tell you the President not only felt the pain of these families, but that the President is committed to ending this war. President Trump is the first President in a generation to seek to end war rather than start one. He intends to end the war in Afghanistan. He is bringing our men and women home. Madison once wrote, no nation can preserve its freedom in the midst of continuous warfare. I'm proud to finally see a president who agrees with that. Compare President Trump with the disastrous record of Joe Biden, who has consistently called for more war. Joe Biden voted for the Iraq War, which President Trump has long called the worst geopolitical mistake of our generation. I fear Biden will choose war again. He supported the war in Serbia, Syria, Libya. Joe Biden will continue to spill our blood and treasure. President Trump will bring our heroes home. If you hate war like I hate war, if you want us to quit sending $50 billion every year to Afghanistan to build their roads and bridges instead of building them here at home, you need to support President Trump for another term. So to our soldiers and their families, join me in supporting President Trump. To those of you who want lower taxes and better, less expensive health care, join me. There's a few things in there. Now, what he talked about with Trump was mostly good. It was a most mostly good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, when it comes to the wars in the Middle East, I was talking to Charlie about this earlier, and Charlie brought up, well, Trump's actually dropped more more bombs. And now I don't know if it's in total of Obama's presidency. We'll have to look at that. It is last year, 2020, was a record number of bombs dropped in the Middle East. And he did drop the mother of so all bombs. far. Yeah. So um, how many bombs does that count for? So what I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So so what I said was the one positive I can say is that generally during a presidency, we see the number of countries that we are bombing go up. And what was Obama dropping bombs in seven countries? Seven or nine. So, I yeah. can't remember. Something like that. So I'll call Scott Horton real quick. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> um, Bush, you know, rolled out a whole bunch of new wars and then Obama escalated and and then Trump, in my opinion, has not escalated our presence of war in the Middle East, which I take as, a, I don't want to say a win, but I do take it as a kind of a change in the trend, or at least it's kind of topping out and it's not just increasing like it has been. So I won't say that uh, he's been more, I don't know, you could say he's been more against war than previous presidents. I, I feel like that would be accurate, but it's not as if he's just stopped the wars. It's not like he's brought everyone home 
or everything like that. So it's a little bit mis- misrepresented by Paul right there. Well, okay. So I think there's a couple, I think there's a couple of good things that Trump has done in foreign policy. And then there's a, a bunch of bad stuff still. Um, the one good thing I think is actually sending Rand Paul as a diplomat to Iran. Yeah. Otherwise we would have had a full um, war. We talked about this on the podcast. Um, we talked about that. If, if we weren't able to solve things dip, uh, diplomatically, just watch the, the Iran war will break out. Um, and Democrats and Republicans will have all kinds of excuses why we need to go to war with Iran. In fact, a lot of people were still trying to go to war with Iran. Yeah. Lindsey Graham and all those war hawks, a bunch of people on the Democratic side. John Bolton, of course, I'm yeah. sure is trying to make some of his own bombs and send them over there. Right. He just can't wait to go to war. Um, who, who, by the way, is the reason, you know, Rand Paul blocked him from being able to or would have blocked him from being the secretary of state. It actually was in John Bolton's book that Trump told Bolton, I would have made you my secretary of state if it weren't for that son of a bitch, Rand Paul. So there's two things to me right there. Blocking John Bolton from becoming secretary of state and being sent to Iran to negotiate when all the tensions were really high. And when those two things happen where you're that close to Trump or you are kind of the tiebreaker decision maker in the Senate because all the other Republicans are just going to go with it. And if you don't, then you can actually stop things from happening. Those couple things really make me okay with Rand Paul kissing Trump's ass. They really do. Like for him to be sent to Iran to negotiate in June of last year or something like that, I believe. To me, that's enough right there. That's exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying we you need to be able to keep your friends close and your enemies. Yeah, over there. <laughs> and your enemies over there. Yeah. So just keep, keep your just keep them. Actually. But it's funny everyone knows that saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, but no one really ever considers what keeping your enemies closer entails or what that means really whatsoever like what would you do if you had an enemy but you needed to keep them closer you would in my opinion be doing exactly what Rand paul is doing right now i'm not saying he's trump's enemy i don't know him i don't know paul i don't know trump so i I don't know that for sure i know trump is very much uh different ideologically than paul is so i assume that they're you know, they're, they're not on the, the same page with everything, but well, he even said, he said in his speech, he's like, look, there are still things I disagree with the president on. Yeah. However, our differences on policy, um, or our agreement far outweighs our differences. Yeah. You know, basically our differences are minor compared to everything that we actually agree on, which is, uh, obviously ending war, uh, which Trump, See, my thing is Trump talks a lot about it, but criminal justice reform and some other good things that Trump has done, cutting taxes, obviously the spending's out of control. I had forgotten about that First Step Act, actually. Yeah. I was doing some reading up on that. And I mean, obviously it hasn't changed the world or anything right. like that, but it At was a first step. It's first. <laughs> so That's what it was called. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I think Trump did good, regardless of his intention, um, well, there's actually a few things, but regardless of his intention or why he did it, I think pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal was a good thing because who are we to say that other countries can't have nuclear weapons when we have a whole arsenal or that they can or, or that, that they, they can can't. or can't like, why do we get to decide something like that? Yeah. Now he didn't pull out for that reason. No, but it doesn't matter. Like we're out of that deal. Um, 
Also I, just signed a pretty big peace agreement in the Middle East, uh, was it a couple weeks ago now? The Taliban? Between, no, between um, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries and Israel. Like it, it was a... Oh, yeah, I saw that. Pretty big deal that no one talked about, talked about right. really whatsoever. Also, I think him actually reaching out to North Korea and at least having some diplomacy there is a first step. Yeah. Right. See, I think that's a good idea, too. Like, you don't make things better with North Korea by shutting off the phone lines and not talking to them. Right. Like that That's that's not what you need to do at all. And Remember, then we and preface then, this, by the way, with this is going to sound like we're pushing for Trump to be reelected. I'm just going over a few good things him. that I, yeah. I'm just going over a few good things that I thought. The other thing yeah. is, I think, you know. Um, you know, trying to, of course, I'm going to sound like a, a Russia gate, <laughs> but trying to mend things with Russia, who we had a cold war with for a long time. We were enemies with Russia for a very long time, trying to mend things with another Western powerhouse, I think is a good thing. Now, I think he has done terrible things with China. Um, you know, the tariffs and, and the trade war and all that's been absolutely awful for everyone because that's all tariffs do is actually hurt the people in the countries. It does nothing for the actual regime. Um, but then the other thing is like my thing on war, so to speak, is that although there's been some good things, it's mostly all talk still. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, I read something today where someone You're was talking like, about as well, far as withdrawing from well, as far the, as actually yeah. bringing the troops home and actually ending the wars and actually stopping the drone bombings and, you know, actually doing what we need to do to, to quit the atrocities we're committing overseas. And I saw something today. It was like, well, Trump couldn't do it in his first four years. Otherwise, he wouldn't have something to campaign on for the next four so it's like, okay, if we, you know, if, okay, if he gets another With four years, quo. then he'll actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's really anti-war. We just, he needs another four years and then he'll actually do it. That is always the thing with presidents. You, during the first four years, all they're trying to do is get reelected. I think it's funny when we act like, oh, they only did this. They, they signed this or didn't sign it because of the election. Like, yeah, every single thing a president does is because of the election. If it's if they're in their first term, you can't really tell that that much from Trump. But I, I you know, I I think he probably has <laughs> held back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but well, if, look, the thing about Rand Paul is, I think Rand Paul's actually read Trump's book, The Art of the Deal, yeah. because now Trump, as we've mentioned, is a true Machiavellian. I think he's like the narcissist narcissist. He's got the long term game plan and he spells it out in his freaking book okay yeah. in the art of the deal he talks about if if somebody becomes your enemy like if somebody you know hits you where it hurts or whatever you hit them back 15 times harder now what has trump done for the last four years you got fake news and sleepy all these nicknames he makes up people i mean he made fun of Rand paul for a long time when mm -hmm. they were battling the presidential election okay or the the you know the republican primary back in 2016 um, but he also says in the art of deal that people that befriend you, you go above and beyond for them. And so I think Rand Paul's read his book. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, now I understand the words that this guy has actually written out and how he thinks about things. If I am going to have a positive effect on the things that I actually believe in, wouldn't I listen to what he said and make moves to befriend Donald Trump so that he's not berating me and not listening to what I have to say. At least I can have a seat at the table and hopefully influence. Yeah. That's, 
And and he has. That's what proof I, of him influencing. He has been just solely. Not on his, I don't know if he's an Instagram influencer or not. <laughs> but. I don't know if you can do that when you're in public office, but probably more yeah. than likely. So the, to me, check the, out this suit I got. The, the two tie. <laughs> the <laughs> this two is from Pink Lily. <laughs> Get yourselves an Indochino 20, suit. Twenty percent off with my with my code. I, I, R Paul. I think being sent to Iran and being able to stop John Bolton from from being Secretary of State are two really really big things that are that are very important and those two things are enough for me to put up with him trying to befriend Trump and stay close to the power. I th- I think that a lot of libertarians lack any type of strategy in dealing with the game that we are in right now because they we all hate the game. We realize it's terrible. And of well, course, I mean, but they talk about it, but you know, like when Oster, Austin Peterson run, was running for office and even Dr. Joe Jorgensen is talking now when they get into office, you can't just get rid of social security and Medicare and all these things that are happening. You have to play the game for a little bit. And her answers on things are, I'll do everything that is in my executive power to fix that. And right. what she's always saying is if it's not constitutional for the president to remove these programs you don't like, I'm not going to be able to do anything. Well, not and only that, but what she also knows saying. you could alienate a whole bunch of people. Yeah. You, you would you you're, you would commit political suicide. Now, I'm not saying that you have to compromise principles. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that you have to understand that things take time, actually. You can't. A libertarian can't be elected president and then go in and get rid of all the things we disagree with because you would, you would commit political suicide and you'd be done after four years. And then after that, they would just restart all those things again. So what did you actually accomplish? Right. You have to ask, is it more likely that we're going to vote and have a 0% tax rate or that we're going to step it down over time towards zero and which one of those would be the most likely thing to do. And I think a lot of libertarians expect that if you don't get in there and say, well, I'm going to remove taxation day one. that if you don't say that, if you say, like say Rand Paul, who wanted a 15% flat tax, if you say that, well then, well, taxation is theft and, and how are you going to do this? I think there's a little bit of a long-term strategy here that libertarians really lack. And I prefer that someone like Rand Paul remain in office and be able to pick up the phone and talk to the president and have some influence versus someone who is just alienating themselves and cannot get a hold of anyone who no one pays attention to. Now, there's positives to both sides. Like, can I say that Ron Paul didn't do any good? He started the whole movement or he at least energized an entire movement. And so there's obviously really big positives. But you don't to think that. Ron Paul capitulated at all? He I'm absolutely sh- did. I mean, he got he got people talked about all the pork he was bringing back to his district all the time, which I'm not against. I think that the money's going to be spent, and you might as well do your job and bring it to your district to make sure it's spent in the best ways possible. Uh, but no, he also was not 100 percent principled in that he still took the government money and 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 was able to get pork in the bills to come back to his districts and so he wasn't he wasn't perfect and i don't think paul is either i think i've always thought that paul was someone who learned from his dad 
from watching his dad his whole life and what happened with him that you can be someone who's preaching about uh, having zero taxes and <clears throat> bringing all the troops home day one and all that, which I think Paul would still do. But you can be someone who preaches about that until the day you die, or you can be someone who actually gets in there and can take some of the small steps towards those things actually happening. And I think that there is value in, in both of those things. That's that's really what I would say to, to libertarians. I think there's value in both of them. I what, could... What value are we going to get out of Justin Amash next year? Next year, he said he's not running for re-election. What's our value? What's he going to do? He's probably going to run for president on the libertarian ticket, I assume, someday. But he's already not going to be in office anymore. Like, which one was better? Justin Amash as a Republican getting re-elected, being in Congress? Or Justin Amash joining the Libertarian Party and then not having anything to do with any of the laws that are coming out whatsoever for the rest of his life? Which one's better? Which Justin Amash is better for for our liberty right now? Wh- which one is it? You you do the math. Yeah. You math it. Just so y'all don't think this is a MAGA podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I preface with I'm voting for Joe Jorgensen. Well, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to say one more thing. I don't like what Trump did. There was no reason to increase the military budget to like $900 billion. I would much rather have seen an audit of the Department of Defense and figure out where all the waste, fraud, and abuse was and be like, okay, you get $500 billion and spend it wisely. Quit with all this garbage. Um, but Trump is known for spending an outrageous amount of money. And, like, and then file for bankruptcy. And file for <laughs> bankruptcy, like the Taj Mahal. Yeah. <laughs> so he built the biggest, baddest casino in Atlantic City. That was open for about, I don't know, 14 months. <laughs> I, I think somebody else bought it eventually. but I think overall, the message from the convention has been pretty positive. I think they're doing one thing they need to do, which is let people know what, what their message is as far as the Republican Party is. We've got a good article here uh, just asking that question from Politico. What is the message of, Liber- of the Republican Party? I don't really know for sure what it is. It can't just be the Constitution because they go against that all the time. I don't really know what the message is. Is it America for, is it nationalism? Is that what it is? Like not a not a Nazi brand of nationalism, but is it just, you know, the, just America first, kind of? But um, what is their message? But of course, this hasn't stopped the... Democrat side of things, the liberal side of things, for from just being completely ridiculous about the entire situation so far. <laughs> and listen, both sides do terrible things, and we try to talk, try to call them out as much as possible. But I will tell you, I have far more disagreements from what I heard during the DNC convention than what I heard so far during the RNC convention. So that is why it is so much easier to just sit here and lambast the DNC convention because we have a very strong disagreement on a basic principle. Now, Republicans don't adhere to that principle, but at least they talk about adhering to the principle, <laughs> right. which is individual liberty. And uh, the the Democrats or liberals or leftists or socialists or whatever don't really have that ideology whatsoever. It's the difference to me in Gary Johnson saying that he would force the person to bake the cake. Well, at that time, we don't believe in the same things. We don't believe, both of us, in individual liberty, really, whatsoever. And if you have that disagreement, that is a fundamental basis disagreement 
that I cannot go towards whatsoever. So, well, despite what the media may be telling you, Trump's winning right now, by the way. If you look at the comparison polls to where Hillary Clinton was in, at this time in 2016 versus where Donald Trump is in the swing states and things like that, Donald Trump is secretly winning. I still those. do see a chance. I, I do still see that Trump could win this thing. Yeah. I think Democrats. Well, and think- then look, the, sky, the, the, the stock market is freaking skyrocketing. It's making new highs every single day. You've got companies like Tesla and Apple and Netflix and all these companies posting record profits for the quarters. And and it seems like, uh, despite what the media would tell you as well, the coronavirus situation is under control. Um, You see, I mean, I'm seeing a bunch of people on TV with no masks on (laughs) at all. That's very dangerous. I mean, Trump was signing a bill. I just saw it the other, you know, just saw it earlier. He was signing a bill, no mask, people standing next to him with no mask. It was when he was pardoning uh, that guy. Uh, what was his name? He just pardoned a black man um, who had he's he's been out of jail, but he had a felony. So he pardoned him and he can vote now. Um, but anyway, he I didn't see hardly a mask. And despite all of the as we talked about before, the crazy predictions of two million Americans dying, we're sitting at like one hundred and seventy seven thousand deaths. And with the cases up to like five point seven million we're at a 0.03% mortality rate, by the way. That's pretty good. That's that's way less than the flu. Yeah. So or does that make it a 3%? Is it 0.03 that that comes out to? So is it a 3%? Point, oh, yeah, you're right. So 3%. Yeah. That's what I thought. So it's all I thought. A little higher. My fault. Yeah. Well, way to go. Thanks for calling me out. You know, I really appreciate it. I that. just want to make sure we're getting the correct information out there. I'll own it. I'm taking personal responsibility for that. Charlie, tell me about this article from Mother Jones, because if they didn't say anything bad, we have to talk about how they probably wanted to say bad things, (laughs) because what else are you going to talk about? This is amazing. Because if you can't find anything objectionable so far from the convention, let's talk about what it would be like if they did want to say things that were objectionable from the, yeah. from the convention. Jeff said that uh, Chuck said, Hillary, we all have to take a drink. No, you just said it again. <laughs> I said it again. <laughs> um, is Sam here? Is Sam in here? No, he's not. He's probably drunk. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Just say it over and over and over again. All right. This is coming from mother Jones. So, you know, this is good. <laughs> the headline says it all right. How badly did they want to say the N word? RNC day one. <laughs> God. Tonight was the quote, I'm not racist and my black friend says so portion of the RNC featuring speeches from Tim Scott and Herschel Walker, among others, who are black, by the way. Yeah. Um, but of course, they're, uh, what, what do they call black people who pander? Um, um, Uncle Tom's? Uncle Tom's, yeah. Among others, and a lot of predictable talk about opportunity zones in the Democratic plantation. For the hard stuff, we turn to the undercard. Here's Mark and Patricia McClowski, the St. Louis gun couple, who famously mounted an armed defense of their topiary from Black Lives Matter's protesters. Check out Patricia sounding a dog whistle immediately discernible to suburban right-wingers, many of them Democrats in California. They are not satisfied with spreading the chaos and violence into our communities. They want to abolish the suburbs altogether by ending single-family home zoning. This forced rezoning would bring crime, lawlessness, and low-quality apartments into now-thriving suburban neighborhoods. 
President Trump smartly ended this government overreach, but Joe Biden wants to bring it back. And here's Mark pronouncing Marxist with a hard R at the end. Uh, by the way, that was a previous quote. And this is another <laughs> quote. The Marxist liberal activists leading the mob to our neighborhood stood outside our home with a bullhorn screaming, you can't stop the revolution. Just weeks later, that same Marxist activist won the Democrat nomination to hold a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. That Marxist revolutionary is now going to be the congresswoman for the first district of Missouri. He's talking about Cori Bush, by the way. Tonight's RNC message. We love black people so long as they're nowhere near our front yard. <laughs> God. How badly did they want to say the N-word? On the strength of the McClowski's appearance, we award Monday's proceedings 10 out of a possible 10 at Waters. So literally, this is just a conversation about how they probably wanted to say the N-word the whole time. We're like, this is news. This is media. This is something that gets put out to people. This is something that people read. They actually didn't do anything that we could catch them on. So yeah, we're just going to make something up. We found a couple tweets from some crazy people. And so let's bring up with those said, and now let's talk about how the people that spoke at the RNC convention are actually crazy, vicious racists who were holding back the M word the entire night. Like it's insane. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. So let's talk about what the Republican party's platform is or isn't. I don't know because I saw this really good article from Politico called the grand old meltdown. Said earlier this month, this is from, uh, yeah, said Politico earlier this month while speaking via Zoom to a promising group of politically inclined high school students, I was met with an abrupt line of inquiry. They said, I, uh, I'm sorry, but I still don't understand, said one young man. His pitch, a blend of curiosity and exasperation. What do Republicans believe? What does it mean to be a Republican? You could forgive a 17-year-old who has come of age during Donald Trump's reign for failing to recognize a cohesive doctrine that guides the president's party. The supposed canons of GOP orthodoxy, limited government, free enterprise, institutional con con conservation, moral rectitude, <laughs> fiscal restraint, global leadership have in recent years gone from elastic to expendable, very expendable. Very expendable. Identifying this intellectual vacuum is easy enough. For more, far more difficult is answering the question of what quite specifically has filled it. So the guy says, uh, bumbling through uh, about the culture, culture wars, a horribly overused cliche, I felt exposed. Despite spending more than a decade studying the Republican Party, embedding myself both with its generals and its foot soldiers, reporting on the right as closely as anyone, I did not have a good answer to the student's question, which was, what does the Republican Party believe? What is their message? Vexed, I began to wonder who might. Not an elected official. That would result in rhetorical, uh, rhetorical exercise devoid of introspection. Not a never-Trumper. They would have as much reason to answer disingenuously as the most fervent MAGA follower. Said, I decided to call Frank Luntz. Perhaps no person alive has spent more time polling Republican voters and counseling Republican part politicians than Luntz. The 58-year-old focus group guru, his research on policy and messaging has informed a generation of GOP lawmakers. He said, you know, I don't have a history of dodging questions, but I don't know how to answer that. There is no consistent philosophy, Lunch responded. 
you can't say it about you can't say it's about making America great again at a time of COVID and economic distress and social unrest. It's just not credible. Once thought for a moment, I think it's about promoting. And then he stopped suddenly and said, I can't, I don't. He took a pause and he said, that's the best I can do. Mm. And that's all he had to say about it. Frank Luntz, who I mean, I've I've seen plenty of times. That's literally what he does is like poll Republican vote. He polls crowds during all of these debates and all kinds of stuff. You see him on Fox News all the time. He literally is talking about politics all the time. And he could not answer the question. What does the Republican Party believe? Charlie, now it's your turn. Uh, Well, I don't think that they believe what they used to believe. That's for sure. They they are just as much culpable in taking your liberty away as the the Democrats are. Um, They just want to do it their own way. And they're fine with spying on you and doing all kinds of stuff as long as it fits their agenda. And there's no, and in fact, I think this is for a lot of America right now, not just the Republican party, but there's no consistent philosophy, logic, or principles among most people in America. They take everything at at a, on a case by case, issue by issue basis. And then they decide what sounds or feels good about that situation at hand. It's the, rather than letting principles and philosophy guide your decisions it's mostly subjectivity that's all it is instead of objectivity it's the rise of chaos that we need an antidote to oh for sure if you could read a book whose subtitle was an antidote to chaos i think that that would be pretty good so obviously i'm talking about 12 rules for life by jordan peterson go check it out yeah i don't have an answer for it either man i don't know what the republican party believes other than america is awesome and we're the best and we're number one and no one can hang with my stuff. Like, I, I, these colors don't float. That's yeah. that's really all I know, but I don't know what the philosophy is. They would say the founding fathers in the Constitution would be what a lot of people would go towards, but it's really only the parts that they want to pay attention to. Not, not all of them. You can't throw out the Fourth Amendment and say that there's no way you can throw out the Second, and that's the problem. Everything's subjective. Everything's completely arbitrary. You decide that you get to draw lines around what parts of the Constitution you actually like and what you don't. And once you start drawing lines, when you're gone, other people get to move those lines around. That's that's why it's not good to draw lines. Todd said here, and I think this is really good. He said, both Democrats and Republicans want to outlaw activities that they don't like. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what a lot of them campaign on even. They both think that we are the moral beacon we are the moral ideology and yeah everyone should be free to do everything except for these things that we disagree with. that we disagree with and it's funny because you could you could say that democrats have been gaslighting and they've been shifting the blame and they've been deflecting and doing all this and then they turn around and they could go against the constitution even though they start using the constitution against trump which is just crazy to hear democrats use the constitution to their benefit and Which then, is a, it's supposed to be a living document to yeah. them. <laughs> and then when when they want to do something that's against it, well, that's okay. Like, Obama can write all these executive orders. That's fine. Trump can't write these executive orders. We don't like those executive it's supposed orders. supposed to be separation of powers. So it really is what we like. And it's okay for us to do it because we're right. That's the, that's the actual answer. It's okay for us to do it because we're right. We're on the moral side. 
And so everything that we decide to do, it's okay if it doesn't fit within all of these different constraints because we're right about it and you're wrong. And you can't go outside those constraints because your ideology is wrong. And so we have to make sure that you can't do that. And that's basically what both sides do Yeah, all the time. So, it's more about like when you listen to these things, it's more about if you don't vote for me, then you're setting yourself up for destruction. Like that's, there's no real like vote for me because I stand for this. Yeah. It's vote for me because if the other guy wins, then all hell is going to break. You're, you're going to die. If right. the other, and that's literally what the Democrats said all last week, by the way, they didn't say because you're going to die. They said you have to vote for Joe Biden like your life depends on it because it does. That is literally what they said, which is the same thing as saying that you're going to die if Joe Biden doesn't get in. And what's really funny is in this next article, we might have to split up because it's a little bit long. They talk about how all they hear from Republicans is just a bunch of fear mongering all the time. You know how many times I just got told to vote for Joe Biden like your life depends on it? That was the like the main tagline for the week. Your life depends on it. You're going to die if he doesn't get in office. Republicans, they're always fear-mongering everything. Yeah. But you're going to die if they get in office. It's insane. I think we've I think you know how when the if somebody thinks you're going to become famous, right? And we experience this at being musicians, being, you know, mildly successful musicians, I would say. I can't tell you how many times I heard, don't forget where you came from. Yeah. You know, like, don't forget the little people. I think America. That reminds for, me, I need to call someone. I think, <laughs> I think America has, America has forgotten where she came from. Yeah. I truly do. I think people have from forgotten. From thou came. Sorry. Right. Yeah. From thou winced henceforth. And TJ fought the courageous battle he fought. And I truly think that people forgot the principles um, and the history of what made America such a great country. What made America great? What actually made America? What could we actually do to make America great again? Give everyone what? their own personal freedom. Liberty. Yeah. That's why everybody wanted to come here. They were escaping oppression from France and Italy and England. Not Africa. And like they just didn't they weren't able to make it yet yeah yeah oh no no i know what you mean <laughs> yeah. yeah not during the slave trade no but i'm talking about i mean cubans coming over here on you know uh doors <laughs> or whatever makeshift rafts across the freaking ocean like people came here for opportunity because you had the freedom to take all the potential that was inside of you and create value for other people and build an amazing life. That's what actually made America great. That's what made America the superpower that she is. We've forgotten all that. And I think that that generally, ha I think it's been surprising that we made it this long because I've been thinking a lot about this and, you know, I've been trying to place blame, like whose fault is this, that this happened? Like, and I've been very, I've been upset uh, uh, really mostly I'll just say it at people who are liberals and socialists I've been extra upset because it's hard to deal with so much irrationality because it, it's one of the so, things so much inconsistency yeah, and like you can't have an argument against someone where everything is subjective and there's no consistent principle yeah. whatsoever you can't have an argument you can't make a case against something where the rules are changed 
from minute to minute. And so that gets very frustrating. I've been trying to figure out, like, who's is this the media? Is it just the president? Is it Congress? It's human beings. That's who you it know is. Whose fault it is? It's it's yours. It's us. It's your parents' fault. It's your grandparents' fault. But it's not even them personally. It's human nature is to gravitate towards trying to control their situation and their outcomes and trying to lead towards having the most amount of security possible. And that's what they think over time, the more they had the government do something, the more security they would have. And I think that is a natural thing that people gravitate towards. When we had a generation of people that were escaping poverty in other countries and coming where they could just be free, it was a lot stronger. But then once you grow up in this, and you don't know what it's like to be from Venezuela or Cuba or to go, th- you know, to be from the Soviet Union or something like that. Well, you're not going to have this mentality that people need to be free. You're still going to be in the place where you think people need to be secure in some kind of way. So it, I've, I've been trying to place blame so I know who I can be mad at because I feel angry <laughs> with yeah. how everything's going. And... It's honestly just it's human nature itself that we're that we're working against right now. We're at war with ourselves. Well, like, yeah. well, as Magoo reminded me, we've forgotten our roots, man. Forgot our roots. We got to get back down to the grassroots and pluck a few bulbs out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you know the that's, thing. That's what we got to do. Yeah. And yeah. not enough people are talking about that. No. There's not enough people talking about them grassroots. Okay, so Jacob Blake. Yeah, so another, um, of course, um, a bunch of rioting, and now there was a, a murder, two people killed, um, and so a bunch of craziness going on in Wisconsin now. I believe in, uh, I believe you pronounce it Kenosha. That's yeah. how I heard them say it earlier. So I'm going to go with that. Or is it Kenosha? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's uh, that might be a Native American word, and it's possible that it's offensive and they should change the name of the city they probably should this coming from abc news 17 year old suspect arrested in fatal shooting of two at jacob blake protest in kenosha protests following the police shooting of a black man in kenosha wisconsin continued for a third night tuesday into wednesday as police deployed tear gas flashbangs and rubber bullets upon protesters and erected a fence around the local courthouse now do they have semi-automatic rubber bullets or those fully auto those were fully auto rubber it's like a thousand rubber bullets a second i think is what they fire Mm -hmm. it's a gatlin rubber bullet gun right a 50 cal and you're only allowed to have a rubber gun a musket rubber bullet gun that's all you're allowed to have at least three people were shot during the protest overnight in kenosha some 40 miles south of milwaukee and two of the victims died from their injuries according to the kenosha police department the third gunshot victim was taken to a hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. The violence prompted President Donald Trump and Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers to mobilize additional members of the National Guard to Kenosha. The Kenosha Police Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, are investigating the shooting. Cell phone video showed a white man armed with what appeared to be a semi-automatic, scary-looking rifle. They didn't say that, actually, though. They didn't hmm. say assault weapon in here. This is weird for huh. ABC News. They said just a regular semi-automatic rifle running past police and being chased by demonstrators. The footage showed the man trip and fall and appeared to open fire on demonstrators. He then is seen running away. 
The alleged gunman was arrested Wednesday in Antioch, Illinois, not Tennessee, for those familiar with Nashville, police <laughs> said. He was identified as 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, which is weird they identified him being 17 and all, um, and is expected to be charged in Kenosha County with first-degree intentional homicide, police said. Being 17 and in Illinois could even have a, a an AR? A semi, yeah, a semi-automatic rifle that shoots a thousand regular bullets per second that's crazy that's a fast trigger finger by the way (laughs) (laughs) that'd be really quick yeah Yeah. you'd have to be an alien or something (laughs) robot maybe uh not funny people died yes it is yeah that's we're against death yeah we forgot to talk about that a little bit but we're yeah we're against all death people dying from shootings or coronavirus or whatever it is old age i don't even like when people die from old age Mm -mm. i'd rather them live a few more years couple more and then, and then you're okay with them dying of old no, age? But then, older I, age? then i would like a couple more years okay like every couple years there's always more you know a couple years <laughs> okay why yeah. not just go for a hundred more years well instead of going for a couple at a time like well, a, like just, you're a congressman because i don't want to be greedy okay you know? i gotcha just ask for a couple each time okay so let's talk about the shooting real quick if you want to and, we'll, and then we can continue on with what happened here so as you guys all know already um, uh, Jacob Blake was uh, shot in the back seven times uh, and was murdered by police, I think, is what I'm going to say. And um, he, uh, is he, he's not dead. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He isn't. Man. Unless how... he succumbs to his injuries, which is impressive. When I heard he was shot seven times, I was like, murder. From point blank range. Yeah. But then I saw, I was like, wait, he's still alive. I actually, yeah, actually. That's I, amazing. Now that, you, now that you mention it. He, it looks like he's going to, uh, he's paralyzed, but it looks like he might actually make it. Um, but of course that did not stop the riots from, from sparking out. And honestly, I don't know if I can disagree with the riots. Well, I disagree with the violence part of it, but I don't disagree with the protests of once again, another example of a black man being shot by police. And I was telling you before the show, I was like, man, if I was a police officer, I think I'd be more scared of actually shooting a black person than I would be if the black person killed me. <laughs> They're both terrible, it's terrible ter- outcomes. Yeah, absolutely terrible outcomes. So uh, what are your thoughts on the shooting? I mean, I watched the video and I know the police said that he said he was going to go get a gun from his car and he did have a knife and he was, you know, the police were called. The police weren't roaming the streets and found him. They were called to the scene so that because he had a knife and he was, um, it was alleged that he was committing domestic abuse or was called out for domestic abuse. So that's why the cops showed up to begin with. And of course he was, he wasn't clearly in the video. You could see he wasn't compliant. And the cops said, he said he was going to go to the car and get his gun. Of course there was no gun found, but when he opened the vehicle and started to reach inside the car, the cop who had a hold of his shirt pulled out his weapon and shot him in the back seven times. Yeah. I, so when I first saw the video of this, here's what I'll say. I queued up a tweet and I was going to tweet about it. And I realized that I didn't have the entire story and that I was just going to wait before I said anything about it so I could get exactly what the story was. I was waiting to see whether or not he had a gun in the car. That's what I was waiting for because I couldn't see that in the video. I don't know if there was a... So when I was driving for Uber, I used to keep my gun in in the little compartment that's in my driver's side door when I was driving. 
So it's I, a garbage can in your car. That's what I call it. Yeah, yeah, it's the trash can that comes equipped in everyone's car. Right. And so when... In case you didn't know that, I mean, there's, there's a trash can in your car for the passenger too. At first, <laughs> when, I, when I saw it, my mind didn't go there. I was like, what's he going to do? Get in the car and drive off? Like, okay, shoot out his tires. Do something like that. Put out some spike strips. Go on a, on a, on a chase. But then I was like, well, I used to keep my gun in, in my door of my car. And so then I was like, well, I need to wait and see whether or not the guy got his hand on a gun, which you wouldn't be able to see from the video that we all saw. Uh, Only the potentially the officer that was standing right there would have been able to see whether or not the guy had a gun readily available right there and was trying to grab it. And so I was waiting before I said anything about it. Now, there is no gun. I mean, they didn't even attempt to plant one or anything like that. So there's for sure no gun which means the cop never saw him grab a gun, which means there was never a gun pointed at the officer, uh, which means, to me, the shooting, especially in the back, not justified. And now you were saying earlier that you could never justify shooting in the back. I think you could, because if you were in the moment, you could have a gun when you were running. I actually saw when I was watching Body Cam one time or one of those shows, a guy was running from police shot behind him a few times and killed two police officers. He literally shot behind him while I was running and hit two cops in the head Jeez. while I was running. And and so, and the guy that was behind him, his body cam caught the whole thing. Like the guy literally shot like this and killed two guys. So I, I, think, I don't think as soon as you see that someone was shot in the back, that you have to say, there is no way that this could ever be justified. So I, I, I did want to wait and make sure that I saw whether or not there was a gun in the car. There was not a gun in the car, which means the cop didn't see him grab a gun, didn't see him point a gun at him. I don't think he had a, a shiny burrito that he painted at, that he pointed at him or anything like that. I don't know if he had his hand on the knife or if they just found the knife in the car. So they said, oh, we had a knife, technically, or if it was on him. I don't, I don't know all of those details. So I do have to go with... It's not justified. And the extra non-justified part that I have is the being shot seven times, which I think is a little bit ridiculous regardless. And honestly, one thing you might want to do for cops is to give them some heavier triggers to pull. Because, good Lord, I don't know if you've fired your handgun recently, but mine, it's got a really heavy trigger. And trying to fire very quickly seven times would honestly wear my little finger out, man. And <laughs> Are so, you shooting that straight up now? or Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, straight up in the air, and it's very difficult. Yeah. And, and so one thing, put a longer, heavier trigger on these guns, because when you get to shooting like that and you fire something seven times, I mean, good Lord, that is just, that is quick. That is really quick. And for the, there to not be any type of visible threat on your life really whatsoever, to me, that is just shock in the moment, not being able to think clearly. You know, I don't think the cop thought he was going to shoot the guy seven times and get away with it and everything was going to be fine. I don't think he was thinking. I think he was reacting to someone reaching in their car. Like I said, I used to keep my gun in the driver's side door of my car. And I'm sure cops have seen plenty of that happen before. What's the guy getting in his car? Have you ever been in a situation, Charlie, where someone said they were going to get something from their vehicle? Sure have. And you got really scared? Yep. And so it is really scary. We've been in that situation before where someone said 
I got something for you and went back to their car. And Charlie said, it's okay, man, go on without me. And so I got in my car and hightailed it out of there without him. That's not what I said, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, anyway, all I was saying is I waited a few days to say anything about this because I wanted to see if there was a gun. Because it's entirely possible if he had his hand on a gun to kill someone that is behind you when you're facing away from them. And therefore, the shooting could have been justified if we would have found out that there was a gun. But there wasn't one. So right. I'm not okay with it. Yeah, and I I pretty much agree with all of that. I you know I don't find it justified considering that there wasn't. It didn't appear to be an actual threat on the officer's life, and I think this speaks to, you know, I heard Joe Rogan and Jocko Willink, uh, Jocko Willink, talking about, uh, you know, cops mm-hmm. training and how they think they all need to be a purple belt, which yeah. takes about two to three years to get, get in jujitsu. Yeah, and I really think. You know, a lawyer put it a good way too. He's like, "Man, I have to go to school for eight years to practice the law, but you only need to go to police academy for six months to enforce the law." You know, there's something wrong with that picture. I, I think cops need to be trained better in de-escalating situations and learning how to handle things without the, let's say, the license to kill on a whim, and knowing that they would be protected. Um, which now, obviously, is coming to light with with the way viral videos work and social media and everybody having a camera in their pocket that that immunity for police officers is going away. And so there has to be a major shift in the way that we police um, and use deadly force. I'm not deadly force can be justified. Obviously we believe in self-defense, you know, a police officer can defend themselves just as much as anyone else can, but there's several steps that we need to take to mitigate these issues that I feel like neither Republicans or Democrats are actually talking about. You know, we have to reduce the laws that police enforce because most of them are arbitrary or really uh, nonviolent criminals where it becomes violent because an officer gets involved when there shouldn't be an officer involved. And then I'm not saying that's for this situation because obviously this was a, they actually called the police, you know, our whole idea of like, you know, police just sit in the firehouse in the police house sit there until we call you. Well, they were actually to called for a domestic disturbance, domestic abuse in this situation. Um, but at the same time, I do think we need to get rid of a lot of those police interactions. You reduce the police interactions. You reduce the chance of unjustified shootings. You might not stop this one from happening. Right. And it's similar to what happened with George Floyd. Like that prescription doesn't really fit in this time, but you would reduce a lot of the other ones. You know, I, I, you would reduce the times that cops are out there trying to hunt down people because they may or may not have plants. Maybe Brianna Taylor is still alive, potentially, you know, the, because that was a, a, a drug bust, a no knock rate for a drug bust. So uh, it is you brought up one good point there. Well, a lot of good points. But one I was going to talk about almost all points I bring up are pretty good, which is that Republicans and Democrats don't really seem to be doing anything about this. And that's one thing that I think people need to recognize. The George Floyd thing happened back in May. And what's been done since then? I think Tim Scott did put up a bill, but it was blocked. They both put up bills. Yeah. And and just generally nothing's been done. Now, some of the local agents, some of the local police departments have done some things uh, to try and reduce some of this, I think. But no one's really trying to solve the actual problems. At all. 
One of the main problems is getting rid of a lot of the victimless crimes so cops can focus on crimes that have victims. And so they're not going around just mad all the time about all the people that are out there doing things that don't hurt anyone but themselves. And they can just focus on these other situations. And then maybe the tensions in all the communities can go down because of that. Maybe Jacob Blake doesn't have so much hatred in that time that he is going to struggle with the police and go to his car. Because what I heard, they, they did have him down on the ground to begin with, and I think he got back up, I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe he doesn't have so much hatred for police. I don't know that he does. But if he does, maybe it's not there if you, if you get rid of some of these problems. And then this didn't happen, you know? Maybe there isn't this crazy generational poverty issue that led George Floyd to be on 137 different drugs when he was held down by police and maybe he actually survives yeah. that situation. Yeah. And I, I saw a comment in the live group that said, uh, and they were talking about the police officer um, and they said that innocent until proven guilty. And what I want to say is it goes both ways. I mean, Jacob Blake was innocent until proven guilty. He didn't deserve to be shot in the, on the street yeah. and, and same for the police officer innocent until proven guilty. I agree with that sentiment for sure. But the one thing I want to push back on from the, from the conservative side of things, from the Republicans that you see a lot of like, is I am so tired of the comments of, well, if you would just comply, this wouldn't happen. And it's like, you know, I understand that if you're in a police altercation waiting for the, your, your day in court is the best scenario. It's the same thing as, you know, telling women that they, um, it's it, to me, it's blaming the victim. Yeah. Like you would tell women like, Oh, well, if you wouldn't have wore that short, they're skirt, asking for it. Yeah. If you wouldn't have wore that short skirt, then you wouldn't have gotten raped. And it's like, well, hang on a second. She didn't get raped because she wore the short skirt. Yeah. She got raped because, uh, a man decided that he could could have what ownership he, over someone ownership over someone else. Yeah. And so I don't I, I, I get tired of the <clears throat> victim blaming from the Republicans saying, well, if you just comply and it's like, well, OK, you know, how often do we talk about our rights being violated and, and should we comply with the state every single time that's happening? Now, I think there's a difference in not complying in a in a peaceful way and not complying in a way that could be violent towards the the police right. officer. Right. So the for instance, Jacob Blake running away at that time is a different type of non-complying than well, I mean, I know we didn't have a gun, but reaching in his car to get something. Yeah. To me those are two very different things. Like to me it's 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 obviously clear and there's no questions if Jacob Blake gets up and runs away in non-compliance from the police, yeah. then he's probably still alive, or there would be no argument over the situation whatsoever from anyone because he was shot in the back running away, and, and look, that's what I've, happened. I've actually peacefully non-complied before mm -hmm. with a truck full of guns, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so Drunk off your ass. I wasn't, I wasn't actually. <laughs> um, but I had had a few drinks, and I got pulled over. And this was a night that you and I had went out. This is before your sober days. Mm -hmm. And um, I had, uh, I believe I took you home, right? I think I took you home. No, 
we we left from USA and you went the back way. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. Well, I took you to your car because you're yeah. We yeah. left your car at somewhere else, so I took you to your car and then I went another way home. I ended up getting pulled over for not coming to a complete stop at a flashing red light. So that was the reason the cop had for pulling me over. But in the middle of nowhere where there were no other cars anywhere. No, yeah, nothing. Nothing going on. And and I did have a few drinks, but I wasn't drunk and I knew I wasn't drunk. But at the same time, I always I had obviously a, I have a friend who's a lawyer and I also had a state police officer who was a friend of mine who always said, no matter what, don't ever don't ever blow. And research indicates that it can be up to 0.02 off. And so if you're at a 0.06, but it reads that you're at a 0.08, well, they automatically have evidence against you that you're, that you're, that, that they can charge you with a DUI with. Um, but anyway, so I, what I did was I, I'm not, I'm not recommending this by the way. I'm just saying what I did. Uh, I did refuse the breathalyzer. I refused to do a field sobriety test. I refused to let the officer look in, to my pupils and all kinds of stuff. And guess what? I didn't get a DUI, by the way. I did get reckless driving, <laughs> which is weird because I wasn't. You weren't driving I wasn't reckless driving. However, I'll take that over a DUI for sure. But but um, that's actually a legal default on the back of your license saying that if you don't blow, then it automatically you it's a well, consent. you lose your license for a year. Um, yeah. What's that called? It's, it's the consent. Uh, it's a civil case. Yeah. Um, legal consent or no, not legal consent, something, whatever. Anyway, the long story short is I had a, I literally like, thank God the police didn't search my truck because I did have a truck full of guns. I had just gone shooting the day before and I hadn't put them up yet. So I had my AR, I had two shotguns. I had, this is before you lost them in the, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is before I lost them all. Um, but I obviously didn't comply with the officer's commands but I also respected him. So I think there has to be a mutual, um, a mutual agreement there. You can't violently non-comply against someone who can use deadly force. That's not wise. Um, now I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying Jacob got shot because it's his fault. It's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that just as I would, just as I would tell women that it's not their fault, I would advise uh, them to make sure they're aware of their surroundings and that the thing about it is make like good decisions. Evil exists in the world, regardless of, of whether or not it's right. What someone else did to you, there's still evil that exists and you should be aware of the, of that existence. And yes, we should move towards teaching men not to sexually assault women. And we should teach police officers not to shoot victims or, or shoot people unjustified. And we should teach people all of those things. I agree a hundred percent at the same time. You have to be aware of the situation at hand and make sure that you are not, are not compromising yourself um, in the stand that you're taking. Don't needlessly because, put yourself in harm's way. Right. Because what justice are you fighting if you're dead? Yeah. So uh, I don't I, know. That's food for thought. Chew on it for a, for a second. <laughs> um, Todd said police are enforcing laws created by either local, state, and federal legislators. We should look to elect legislators that are willing to reduce the laws. Completely agree. I think you, you actually have to start attacking this problem, which are the laws that are in place. So the police can focus on people who are 
violent criminals who have taken liberties away from other people. There are tons of cases that have not been solved out there. There are tons of times when people have their liberties taken away where nothing is done about it. And there's far too many times where people's liberties weren't taken away from them that cops are spending all their time dealing with. And I really think that will reduce the tensions between the police officers and the people in the community. And it would lead to a lot less violence because I think there's something in the back of the mind of people in any kind of minority population that they have to defy the police because they're just evil, vicious racists and they're not going to stand for it. And then I think there's something in the back of the police officer's mind that this person hates me and they might be violent and I need to be careful because everything's going on right now. Uh, I need to make sure, you know, there's a higher likelihood that they're going to be non-compliant and maybe violent with me because everything that's going on. And uh, I think you would really reduce a lot of tensions and stop a lot of this stuff from happening. You've only got a few of these things that happen throughout the year, by the way. It's not really, you know, it's not a, an epidemic. It's still terrible. Any of them are terrible. But when you imagine just this trend of interactions with police, only if only a few of them are enough to pop over that line and actually be some type of violent altercation with someone. So you've got to reduce those amounts of interactions so you don't have as many of them popping out of that standard deviation, which is what which is what that would be. Yeah. I do like what Jacob Blake's mom said here in this article, continuing on. She says, quote, for anyone who is doing anything that is violent or destructive, please stop. Uh, I get your pain. I get your frustration. This is nothing new. And it's not just about my son. I get that. But please find another way. Um, and so, again, we're against violence. So we're against destruction of property. Yeah. We're against all of those things. And and it's creating situations where, um, you know, hate doesn't solve hate it's it's got to be you know i'm going to get a little a little you know juicy with you here i guess <laughs> yeah. love solves hate yeah it's what it is it does so i i think you guys can go back and listen to a lot of our episodes when we were talking about the george floyd situation the riots obviously uh, not okay with the riots i think it only makes everything worse i don't think anyone's actually spending time doing the things to solve the real problems. Burning down your city is not going to solve the problem. Um, having a lot of needless violence against police officers who have nothing to do with this situation is not going to solve the problem. It's actually going to make it a lot, a lot worse. It's going to make those officers more hateful. It's going to make them more on edge. It's going to make the people in your community more hateful towards the police and put them more on edge. And it's going to kill your economic situation more than it's already been destroyed over the last year, over your entire life. So burning down your city is not a good option. And it's actually using force against other people and their property and their time that they've spent to buy that property. And if they've got insurance for it, guess what? They still got to pay their insurance premiums. Their insurance premiums are going to go up because of it. And that money was still paid from those people towards the insurance company. And that's going to affect everyone else who was paying for things towards that insurance company. So you're still stealing from people, even if an insurance company does come in. An insurance company, uh, like the government, only gets money that it has taken from other people. So you don't just get to force them to pay for something and act like nothing was destroyed. So anyway, man, you got anything else? I feel like RNC and Jacob Blake was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I think that was no? good. That was a okay. good day back. Yeah. It felt good to be 
Back on the horse. You know what was better was being in Louisiana with no signal and not knowing that any of this was going on. That was way better. Because when I came back today and I started looking at stuff on Twitter and listening to some of my other podcasts and everything, just immediate flow of negativity. Like, oh, the world is burning. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go back to no signal. You know what they say, Rome wasn't burned in a day. And that's one of the main things. (laughs) That's what they say. There's no river long enough doesn't contain a boat. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know yeah. i don't know that is those that are floats, two things at least yeah like yeah. my granddad always used to say so anyway guys if you're interested in learning how to day trade or watching this trade live we are back you know we've been gone for a few days and we are back in the saddle again and we're going to be back live tomorrow trading doing the pre-market doing the live trading doing all that so you can go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com and learn about the strategies that we're trading look at the stocks we are looking at and what price points we are interested in and we will uh, try to call out where we're going to be getting in these stocks and hopefully we can all make a little bit of money together so you can go to mastermystonks.com i don't know if we mentioned it but you should smash that subscribe button and you know, even though we were gone for a few days, this is still the most listeners we've ever had. So the audience keeps growing. You guys are doing your job by sharing the show and hitting that subscribe button. We are running a 96% subscription rate, which is absolutely insane. So don't be part of that whore percent. Hit that subscribe button and then please continue to share the show. And if you want to be part of the live group, uh, you know, obviously we mentioned all the comments. We have great discussions with them. You get some pre-show and some post-show action. Uh, you get all kinds of bonus things. So go to patreon.com slash Liberty. Sign up for as little as five bucks a month. You get access to the live feed when we go live every single day of the week when we want to. And so be part of that, patreon.com slash Liberty. And if you do all of that, leave us that rating and review, share the show, sign up for Master My Stonks and patreon.com slash Liberty. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know, uh, uh, 